You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Yo, welcome on into the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker and Ryan Callahan and Ben McKee coming to you from Neyland Stadium. Uh, I guess technically from the uh, visiting coaches box here at Neyland Stadium uh, where Tennessee has remained undefeated on the season. That would be the positive way to say it. The Vols, uh, not really super comfortably, but not uncomfortably either. Uh, put away Austin P 30-13 to in a game that was closer I believe than anyone would have suspected. Perhaps if you're an Austin P player or coach, or or uh, you know you got a friend or, or a family member on the team, you were hoping for uh, Austin P to come in here and shock the world. But uh, I think most people pegged this as a very comfortable Tennessee win, and it in fact was not. It was not super uncomfortable, and I want to talk about that later because I think perhaps much too much could be made of some of the struggles in this game. We'll get to that here in just a little bit. Uh, but before we do that, just quickly, uh, obviously, guys, I wasn't around this week and uh, dealing with stuff with, with my son, and we were at Children's Hospital, and we'll go back there. But right now, we're not there, uh, and our family has very loudly and very clearly heard all of the, the thoughts and the prayers and well wishes from everyone out there listening, everyone at Go Vols 24-7, several people in the Tennessee football community, uh, people in the University of Tennessee administration, uh, we have very loudly and clearly heard you, and we are very, very thankful for all of it, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. But back to business here, guys. Tennessee, this game, it did not go the way just about anyone thought it would, um, but I don't know that we should make too much of it either. Uh, it, it was not up to standards. It was not what Tennessee wants to be. In fact, I struggled to, to, to find – a more disappointing offensive performance of the Tennessee era since Josh Heupel got to Knoxville, uh, given the standards. I, I think that they, uh, th- this was a very frustrating night for Tennessee's offense for, for many reasons. But it was a win. It was always going to be a win, and it was a win. And Tennessee is undefeated heading down to Gainesville next week. It absolutely is. And, and that game all of a sudden has become – much more interesting not that Tennessee was ever going to walk into Gainesville walk into the swamp and and it was going to be a cakewalk but there was a lot of confidence all offseason long and especially after Florida lost to Utah in the opener that Tennessee was going to go down there and and handle business pretty convincingly and and they still very well might I would not at all be surprised if Joe Milton in this offense walks into the swamp and scores 45 next week 
uh, especially with the way Florida has looked in, in different areas. And then we have so much time to preview that matchup. And of course, we will. Uh, but my point is, we enter today's game with a lot of confidence with how we think Tennessee will handle that game in the swamp. And we exit this Austin P game, at least speaking for myself, feeling a whole lot less confident about Tennessee going into that football game. And I do agree with you, Wes, that we have to strike a balance of pointing out things that are concerning, but also not overreacting too much. I do think there was an aspect of overlooking Austin P. Joe Milton alluded to that in his postgame press conference, and that is a separate conversation because we have not seen a Josh Heupel team do that to this point. Agreed. And that is concerning. Uh, but obviously there is legitimate concern with this offense. I think the running game continued to look good. Uh, this is the first time I'm mentioning the offensive line all night long, so that tells me that they had a good night at the office if this is the first time I'm mentioning it. So the offense is just not completely broken down in a ton of flat tires or anything anything along those lines, but this passing attack is, is struggling right now. And I'm sure Joe Milton is getting more criticism than he deserves because he's the quarterback. Uh, and I don't want to say that Joe is blameless, but – I think these receivers have been more disappointing, in my opinion, far more disappointing than Joe. These, these receivers should be playing much better than they are. And I asked Josh Heupel after the game, like, hey, these guys missed quite a bit of fall camp. Do you think that's contributing to their slow start? He said no. I kind of think otherwise because they look like different guys. But whatever it is, Joe missed some passes. Receivers dropped some balls. Their routes don't look super crisp. And there was a time or two where the protection broke down for sure. But whatever it is, they've got to figure out these questions quick, fast, and in a hurry. I think everyone should just go back to criticizing Ramel Keaton all the time because he, he clearly is a much better football player when everyone says he sucks. That, that's what – everyone go back this week to saying Ramel Keaton sucks and he'll be just fine in the swamp. Yeah, no, uh, it's it's a really interesting game. I, I, I went into it thinking we weren't going to learn anything about Tennessee, and, and we might look back at it and still say we didn't really learn anything about Tennessee because we may look back and say this was just a bad game. They overlooked an opponent that wasn't up to their level, and – you know, they, they had some things that they were able to, to work through and they got an ugly win and end of story. And, and it may just be an uncharacteristic performance. And that happens. We see it all the time. We've seen some ugly SEC performances from other teams in this conference this season. I would say more than not. Yeah. And, and we may look back in a few weeks and say, who cares what they did against whatever awful team they played in week one? It doesn't matter that Kentucky struggled with Eastern Kentucky today if they go out and play better in future future weeks so it's it's hard to say what we should take from this but I think there are uh, at least a few concerning things that you can take from this game and we'll get it well I'm sure get into all those in just a few minutes but overall I come out of this game thinking a little bit I mean I kind of felt you guys remember I kind of felt a little bit this way last week and I got kind of the Debbie Downer treatment for, for thinking this. Well, but we just enjoy doing that. Yeah, but I but I do think, and I feel a little more confident in saying now, I think this is just an offense that's going to have much less margin for error. I just I just think that's the situation. I think they, last year, and we're being reminded of that these first two games, they just had a really special group of guys on offense. And Hendon Hooker, Jalen Hyatt, when he was out there, Cedric Tillman, they still have, I think, a, a, a Princeton fan did a lot of things in yeah, that offense too. Absolutely, and uh, and hey, good for Tennessee that McAllen Castle showed up and got to make a big play tonight um, to to get him worked into the offense because I think he can be a weapon for this team. I just think this is maybe going to be the type of offense, 
and it, it goes back to kind of what I thought in the summer. Why you know I I thought it was worth noting at the time that Tennessee had three All SEC players on the preseason teams, which can be vastly overrated. But I think it sort of tells the story of this team. It's a team of a lot of experience, a lot of solid to good players, but nobody that's really proven to be great. And if Joe Milton is not great, and Tennessee sure needs him to be, then you really have to look around and kind of ask who on this team is great. So it's a team that's going to have to be equal to or greater than the sum of its parts because it's not a team that can rely on a single star. They've got a, they got a lot of potentially really good players, but to me the concerning thing about this this these first two games and tonight is you look out there and Joe Milton has just been a hair off on some passes and, and not making perfect throws and receivers aren't making catches when the ball's not thrown where it could be thrown. And it's just it's a lot of guys not making exceptional plays and that to me is a little bit concerning when you are going into SEC play and you haven't really totally establish an identity and you're wondering who on this team can elevate this this program and this team to be great the way they could last year yeah what's interesting to me is that there are a lot of it's easy to to say that you you know you want exceptional plays because you're at Tennessee you should have some players that are out there in most games making at least a couple of exceptional plays but if this team would just start hitting the layups you know when you're open and there's no one around you put the throw where it needs to be, catch the ball, move on. Like, it's not like you're asking them to go out there and make some of these Herculean plays that Hendon Hooker made in the past or or some of these ridiculous catches that guys like Ramel Keaton have made in the past. You're just asking them to, when they're open, catch the ball. When you have a clean pocket, put the ball in a more catchable spot. You're not asking anybody to do anything crazy because if you just – Keaton catches that ball against Virginia, maybe the whole thing goes differently. If there hadn't been, what, five or six balls that receivers could have caught tonight and did not catch, if you just make those plays, we're sitting here not talking about a lot of this stuff because the offense is in rhythm. From literally the first play of the game, you know, that ball probably should have been caught by McCoy, and it wasn't. It wasn't a great throw, but it was okay enough to be caught. And we're not out there, you know, having to make those plays, so it's easy for us to sit here and say that, but – I think a player of Brew McCoy's ability should make that play, and he didn't. And those sorts of things, it felt contagious in this game. Like there were just guys who got really tentative about making those plays, and then Dante Thornton is looking where his feet maybe are on the sideline, takes his eyes off the ball a little bit, doesn't make the play, and didn't play much the rest of the night for what it's worth uh, after that. And Squirtle White with a couple balls that probably could have been caught and weren't, it just kept happening. And it's one thing if you say a team's just not good enough because it's not making the exceptional play, but like let's set a baseline for this team on figuring out what it's going to be when it makes the basic plays. When just just go make the basic plays, and I think with the way they're running the ball now, this is going to change because you guys have seen this. Defenses coordinators they've learned a little bit more about Heupel's offense, I think, and, and some of these players they're beginning to understand how to take away some of these stack plays and some of these vertical shots and other things. Um, but that's leaving a lot of opportunities in other areas. Tennessee's just got to go make those plays. They're there to be made. They just got to make them. Well, and, and those stack plays are, are hard to be successful and, and hit on when you're not hitting the balls down the field that open up those screens and, and short behind the line of scrimmage type of plays. Uh, and Josh Heupel said after the game, he was asked point blank why – I think Patrick Brown asked him uh, about Joe not really pushing the ball down the field. I, I don't think he threw one deep ball tonight. 
at least I, if if he did, I'm forgetting it off the top Depends of my head. What you call a deep ball? I'm but yeah. Deep ball, like go route, like opening 50, 60 yards. Yes, field, let, yeah, I don't remember any. Of I mean, we've we've talked about Joe Milton's arm strength all off season long, and rightfully so. And we've seen him throw one deep ball in two games. And yeah, their that safeties, was the, one. the safeties aren't really letting him throw the ones down the sideline. Correct, and that happened again tonight. And, and like I get that, and I do agree. Like the these defenses the past two weeks are playing too high most of the time. But that also opens up things over the middle of the field, and that was the issue tonight. And Josh Heupel said that, like, we took what we were being given. There, there weren't opportunities to, to really go deep, but there were plays over the middle of the field that were wide open for us to make, and we did not make them, whether it be a throw being off here and there, a receiver dropping a pass, or even the, the protection breaking down at least once. And it's just – it's kind of baffling to see, honestly, just – uh, a quarterback that has so much talent, receivers who have so much talent, a unit, when you put them together, they've kind of at this point played a lot of football together and put in a lot of work over the offseason. We talk all the time about the work ethic, and they can't hit basic college throws over the middle of the field against Austin P. It, it's kind of baffling to, to see. I'm trying not to overreact too much, but also like there, there's an expectation for this unit for them to be so much better than what they've been to this point, and that's the concerning aspect. Uh, that and, and last week I really thought it was on the receivers against for Virginia. This week it was more of a mixture of both, where Joe was hitting the guys in the hands last week against Virginia, it seemed, whereas this week it was a throw here was a little behind the receiver. A throw here was a little high. This throw was a little too far out in front. Like it, The accuracy was not what it needed to be. And when you're struggling in the middle of the field like that, then they're just going to load up and, and kind of make you beat them. And then all of a sudden those easy gimme throws, they're not there anymore. You're, so, getting, you're getting three and four yards and not 10 and 12 yards. It, it's, it's weird right now. I'm trying not to overreact too much, but it's just weird right now. And going back to something we talked about in, in Nissan last week after the game, and I really feel this way going into the Florida game, this is an offense that needs to lean on the run until they can iron out these kinks. I don't think that this is going to be the Tennessee passing attack all season long. There's too much talent for it to struggle this and much. And teams just never are Correct. bad that way. And, you know, Jason Swain made this point to me this week. Heupel's offenses tend to start slow. Think of that Pittsburgh game last year. It was a, it was a rough first half. Hinton missed several throws in that first half against Pittsburgh last year. So I think that's something to consider. But they've got to lean on the run game, which is dominant right now, quite frankly. It's playing really well. They've got to lean on that running game until they figure out this passing game. And I kind of like that they're not giving Jalen Wright too many carries at this point in the year. It's going to be a long season, and there's going to be games where you're going to have to get him the ball 25, 30 times. I completely agree, yeah. That, that That's a good thing to take out of this. I, I think we, we've got to touch on this, too. I feel like tonight was a big missed opportunity for Tennessee as much as anything. Because not only did they not get to get a lot of young guys into the game the way they wanted to until at least the fourth quarter. They still rotated a decent they, amount. They did. They did. So it's not like they didn't play some youth in some spots. They did. But you didn't get to work Chaz Nimrod, Caleb Webb, and those guys into the passing game the way you did a little. Yeah, Nico Iamaliava didn't take a single snap, which I don't think any of us would have predicted going into this game. So... And, and, you know, I know there was all the speculation about it, you know him having a wrist injury that, not, you know, nothing I've heard so far suggests that he was not available for this game. He's so, the ball pretty long in, uh, yeah. in warm-ups. So, so whatever that was, I don't think that, that would have kept him from playing probably. Um, but regardless, that, that's just a missed opportunity. And on top of that, I felt like because the game got so hairy there for a little while in the first half, Tennessee changed up what it was doing and, and – 
trying to kind, get in a rhythm. Kind of went into survival mode. It felt like to me, like they, I think it got to a, it got to a six six in the second quarter, late in the second quarter, and I think they just started think, deciding, you know what, we've got to win this game. I mean, forget working on ourselves. We've got to make sure we don't lose to Austin P. And they started just working the short passing game and the run game, and that was the offense the rest of the night. And I feel like that's we might look back on that as a big missed opportunity because I think they could have still used a little bit more of the game to try to work on those across the middle and downfield throws that we didn't see much going forward after that because they're going to need it next week and they're going to need it against South Carolina in three weeks. Heck, they may need it against UTSA in two weeks. We don't know. So they're going to need that coming up, and I feel like not getting an opportunity to work on that the rest of the game, and, and maybe that was the right call. Maybe they're, they end up on the ropes in the fourth quarter if they don't do that. But the bottom line is they went into what felt like just win the game mode and went to the short passing game and didn't want to take any chances. And, you know, it just looked like not the receiver's night, not Joe's night, and they just wanted to, to go do what was working. And at that point it was the short stuff, and that's what they went to from there on. And it's a missed opportunity because they, sh- they, they might look back on this and wish they had thrown the ball down the field more if they're off again next week at Florida when it could be a problem. Yeah, what I did like, though, was that the two drives in this game – where Tennessee absolutely needed to get something. I don't want to say absolutely needed to get something, but very much needed to get something. It got touchdowns on both of those drives. Late in the first half, that was a big moment there, took the ball right down the field and scored. And then when Austin P goes out there and scores, maybe to make things just a little bit interesting there early in the fourth quarter, 62 seconds later, Tennessee's got the ball in the end zone the other way. When they needed to put together drives and they really needed to bear down and put the ball in the end zone, that happened. And I think that's something that can get lost in a game like this is it's frustrating. It did not go the way anyone wanted it to go. But when things were needed, those things got done. And I think that's – it's like – it's a layup. Again, guys, it's Austin P. you got to hit those shots. But Austin P. came here. Those dudes were fired up. They were chippy all night long. They were going for it on every fourth down. Like, they had nothing to lose, and they played like it. And, and Tennessee had to go, hmm – a couple times in that game and, and had to fight back a little bit. And when it did, things were fine. But it, it never, like, hit full stride. But in a weird way, like, I never felt anything like a panic. Like, there was a moment against Georgia State a couple years ago where you're like, oh, God, like, this is actually going to happen. Wyoming, maybe in 08, when you're like, oh, God, this is actually going to happen. You know, some of those uh, – those rare Vanderbilt or Kentucky losses where sometimes in the second half it hits you, oh, God, this is going to happen. I never even got close to approaching that territory in this game. Tennessee was always, in my mind, going to take care of business, but you would have rather done it better. Yes, and, I mean, I completely agree with you. I never had that feeling either, but I I was just kind of shocked that midway through the second quarter, Tennessee's tied 6-6 with Austin P. After I wasn't Austin P down like a lot to a little at Southern Illinois. Two to three at yes, the third that's quarter. that's what I thought it was before scoring some some late garbage points. I believe. Uh, I I mean they're they're losing forty two to three on the road to Southern Illinois, and then they come to Knoxville, the number nine team in the country, and with one hundred one thousand people who are ready for a party. Six six in the middle of the second quarter. Yeah. That should not. I mean, we were talking all week about. Nico being in for the entire second quarter in, in the backup offense. And, and I don't think that's poor on our part. I, I think it speaks to how poor the, the play of the offense was. And uh, it, it was very disappointing. It, it certainly makes you raise your eyebrow and, and plant some red flags. And, and at least in my mind, like I said earlier, it makes this Tennessee-Florida game much more interesting. I, I have 
less confidence in, in Tennessee now um, because if, if they go down there and they play a clunker of an offensive game like they kind of did tonight, all of a sudden that Florida team is going to find some confidence throughout the course of that game. You're talking about a 17-13 rock fight. Right, and at that point it's just one play that decides the football game. And when you look at the rosters on paper, like I don't think the difference in talent on Tennessee's roster and Florida's roster is one play. I don't. I believe Tennessee has much more talent and depth and better coaching, quite frankly. Uh, so tonight was certainly very disappointing and raises some red flags. But I also think maybe in hindsight, this is a blessing in disguise um, because it, it does seem uh, the defense has not done this, Wes, but the offense seems to have taken Virginia a, a little lightly and seems to have taken Austin P a little lightly. Maybe was was reading their press clippings throughout the offseason a little too much, thought that they could just walk out there and, and everything be okay. And I, I think this may light, light a fire under their rear end and, and maybe spark them to, to go out and, and uh, change this season around. So no time to panic, but fair to – be concerned without a doubt. I did like that Jabari Small quote after the game. I, I often like Jabari Small interviews. I think he's a he's a soft-spoken guy, but he's a very smart guy. And he said, listen, guys, this is a new team. It's got a new identity. We don't know what that identity is just yet. Uh, we don't have to play differently. We don't have to be a completely different group of guys. But it is a new team, and it's got new pieces, and it's going to look a little different. So we just got to figure out how it is. I think that was a pretty mature season response there. I agreed. And, and that's – yeah, like you said, Ben, that may be the silver lining here is that if, if, if Virginia, because you won by 36, didn't get your attention even though there was a, an offensive lull in the first half of that game too, this will. <laughs> this will be really easy to go in and watch film on Sunday and, and be able to, to digest this and point to, point to a lot of plays in this game and say, guys, this isn't going to be good enough against Florida. This isn't going to be good enough against South Carolina. We have to do better. And especially on the offensive side of the ball, I think it's going to get their attention. So, yeah, that, that's, the, that's the positive for this. If you're, you know, I'm, I'm sure there will be some overreaction this week. I hope we're not looking back and saying what we've said tonight is overreacting. But there will be some overreaction to this. And I think that's what you got to keep in mind is this could be this team's low point for the first half of the season. It really could. Um, we, we might look back at this and say it's a good thing it got Tennessee's attention because they played a lot better on offense the next three weeks. Um, and. And I still don't think this is going to be the offense it was last year. I don't. Oh, it was never going to be. Yeah, it was never going to be. And I, but I think the numbers might even take a little more of a hit than I thought. I thought it might be three or four points down on average, something like that compared to last year. I think it could be more, more like ten points down on average. You it know, should we'll, still be a top ten, top fifteen offense. Yeah, it, it should. Um, and, and and it, but I think it's going to be a little bit more of a hit and miss offense than I thought it was going into the year. I don't know that they're going to score forty almost every game. I think they're going to score forty sometimes, and I think they might have some games they have to win thirty one twenty four or something like that, where it's just going to be a little bit more of a competitive game. You're going to have to make some plays in some key spots. They can still win, and they're going to score enough to win a lot of times, but it's going to be a little more hit and miss. And I, after two games, it, it, it kind of feels that way. I also wonder about this. I mean, I'm certainly not suggesting at all that Tennessee should even consider a quarterback change. They shouldn't. But if tonight, uh oh, is it happening? Is it happening? But if tonight is any indication of what we see the next three to four weeks, I think there's a better chance than I thought going into the year that that becomes a discussion at some point. Not saying it will, but there's a better chance that it could than I thought because there may be a sense that it costs them a game at some point. And if it does, then, then everything has to be on the table. I still think it would take a lot for this staff to pull the plug on Joe Milton, but I wonder if, they're, if, they're get, if we get to a point where it's at least on the table, and that's not something I would have thought going into the season. Does that mean new receivers are coming into the game as well? 
I mean, that's a hey, fair point there. They're, you can't you can't fix that. Again, but. just start saying every day that Ramel Keaton sucks. Just say every day <laughs> that he sucks and he's going to get better again. And that's that's the other thing too that maybe would be concerning about the long term from this game is that we've seen two two teams now play them with two high safeties and dare them to to, to take the checkdowns and be smart with the ball for for four quarters. And so far, it's mostly worked. That's that's the concerning part is that Virginia and Austin P have kept this passing game in check because they've kind of been shooting themselves in the foot, not catching catchable balls, not making perfect throws a lot of times. We saw Joe Milton unleash the, the howitzer on one play, and he threw wide at Brew McCoy in the side of the end zone. That was not a pretty throw. So um, they're, they're daring the teams to take what's there, and it's working a lot of times, but it's not getting them consistent first downs, and this offense isn't executing well enough to, to put together 12, 13-play drives all the time, and it's going to be harder. They need those chunk plays to, to rack up points. And – but the difference is last year, I think, when other teams played them that way, you could still find some plays here and there. Jalen Hyatt would go do something special. You'd still hit a big play just because you had talent. Or Hooker would break down and run around and yep. make some crazy stuff happen and on the scramble or something. And I thought they'd miss that that element of the game. I knew they'd miss that part. I, I, I knew they would, yeah, but I didn't know to the extent. I, I feel like they really are missing that on third downs, especially where third and five, that was basically a, a, a fifth receiver out there. that He could just – take it on a moment's notice, scramble out of trouble, whatever, and make the play. They don't have that as much this year. Joe Milton can run on a draw like he did for a touchdown, but he's not as much of the scrambling type, I don't think. So all that to say that just on a whole, I just think they've got to be a little more perfect across the board if they're going to win 10 games or something like that this year. They can do it. The SEC looks pretty human. That's the other side of this coin. The SEC, there's not a lot of teams on the schedule that look like they're going to beat Tennessee right now. So Tennessee's kind of in the same boat with everybody else, but they're just going to have to be better and, and more perfect across the board if they're going to win that many games. Yeah, my final, my final thought on that heading into break is when push comes to shove, though, Tennessee's only given the ball, what, 24 times or something to Jalen Wright the first two weeks of the season. If teams are going to keep defending them the way they are, there could be games where they give it to Jalen Wright 25 times and he could have some stupid big games. If, the, if teams are going to keep doing that, there are going to be times where, again, that's why I like that they haven't used him too much right now because I think there are going to be games where they maybe need to, and I think he could have a couple 200-plus yard games. Yeah, that's a great thought. And, yes, we're kind of talking about the, the negative side of this offense right now, but something that should instill confidence going into these next two SEC football games against Florida next Saturday, against South Carolina three weeks from now, is that Tennessee should be able to run the ball successfully against both of those teams. And the line of scrimmage should be able to win you both of those games on both sides of the ball. Uh, Florida and South Carolina have struggled against the run. And as we've talked about on some of our previous podcasts lately, Florida's offensive line did not look good against that Utah defense. And then South Carolina's offensive line did not look good against that North Carolina defense in week one. And this Tennessee and defensive UNC defense that was awful last year. And this Tennessee defensive front and defensive line, it continues to wreck shop. So uh, I know there's maybe a, a, a red flag or two or three planted that we weren't expecting going into this Florida game. But you should still have confidence in this running game being able to lead the way and then Tennessee being able to stop the run and dominate the line of scrimmage on the other side of the ball. I agree, and we've talked a lot about the offense. We do need to talk about the defense, and we're going to do that here in just a second as we head to the second uh, segment of this episode because I think we can't ignore, regardless of the opponent, we cannot ignore some of the good stuff that we're seeing from Tennessee's defense right now. And I think there's also some questions about maybe we can end on if you're Josh Heupel, 
how do you digest what's happened the first two weeks and what's your message going into the week too. So I think those are a couple of good points to hit on. And we'll do that here. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break, uh, listen uh, to some products, services, in-house ads, et cetera, and then be right back here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back to the GoVoss 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago. During that commercial break, Wes Rucker, Ben McKee, and Ryan Callahan coming to you from Neyland Stadium where Tennessee improved to 2-0 on the season. The ninth-ranked Vols took down Austin P 30-13. Uh, in a game that did not go quite as comfortably as just about everyone expected. Nonetheless, that's the way it went. Tennessee won the game. Tennessee is 2-0 and heading into the Swamp next week, and there's lots to digest about this game and what's coming up here in the next little bit. But before we do all that, just a, a quick quick uh, request from our end. Guys, please go in there and take just a little bit of time out of your day right now. Go rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. If you're just listening on the website at GoVols247.com, nothing wrong with that. We love you. No wrong way to consume this podcast. But what helps us out the most is if you go in there and uh, you know just, just go in there and click it. Subscribe right there. Apple, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon, anywhere in the world. You can cast the fine pod. You can find this GoVols247 podcast. We do this for free. We're happy to do it. But since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends, tell people in person, tell people you see all around town, tell strangers. Hell, go make a friend. Go see somebody in Orange, tell them uh, uh, that you got this podcast they should listen to, and you might have your new best friend, man. You guys might be building bug beds to make more room for activities. You never know what's going to happen. Just please go do that. And if you're already doing that stuff, thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points. And may God have mercy on your soul. Defense, guys. Uh, Tennessee played defense a little bit there in the fourth quarter. A couple moments that maybe weren't great. Tennessee was maybe a little tired, rotating in some younger guys, getting them some reps. Things didn't go quite so great. But then at the end, Tennessee puts the first-team defensive line back in there on the goal line and kind of gets a goal line stand to make the score look a little bit more comfortable uh, going into to next week. But overall, defensively, especially in the first game without Keenan Peely, who is a very, very important player for this defense, Tennessee goes in there and handles business. Regardless of the opponent, Tennessee looked pretty good. That front seven looks pretty salty. That secondary was maybe a little bit hit or miss at times. Um, Kamal Haddon remains, you know, by the ticket, take the ride, man. You're going to see some stuff you love and some stuff that makes you want to 
pull your hair out uh, during every game. But uh, he did have a couple nice plays, forced a turnover, should have forced a second if a ball had been uh, correctly ruled as the way it should have been, which was a catch and a fumble. Nonetheless, what do we think of Tennessee's defensive performance in this game overall this season and Aaron freaking Beasley? Yeah, I was going to say, definitely start there. Aaron Beasley was a one-man wrecking crew tonight. Uh, five, five tackles for loss in this game. That's a, I would imagine he's got a chance at SEC Defensive Player of the Week uh, with that performance, um, especially when there's not been a lot of banner performances across the, across the league this weekend. Uh, yeah, I, I think you have to be pleased with Tennessee's defense overall. Now, sure, there were some plays they gave up, and you know, I'm sure any, a lot of people out there thinking any play, any touchdown that you give up to an FCS team is one that shouldn't happen. So the, you know, there is that, and they haven't played two very good offensive teams so far. But I think on the whole, it's, it's, it looks like a pretty good defense. You know, the secondary, like you said, a little, little more shaky play to, tonight in this Wesley game. Wesley Walker and Danico Slaughter, for the most part, look good, though. Slaughter yes. fell down the one time, had a bad moment there. Yeah. But he – I think zero and thirteen have looked good. Yeah, those two look like to me Tennessee's two most reliable guys. I thought Tamari McDonald had some nice yeah, plays he did. today he did. too. Um, and, and Kamal Haddon, uh, someone said it well on Twitter. I included this in our social media um, story that, that that always has some some fun comments during the game. One was I forget exactly how it was said, but this is the full Kamal Haddon experience. I thought that was perfectly said. Buy the ticket, take the ride. Because he he you know he had three pass breakups, but I think all of them might have come on balls that just hit him, not not on balls that he swatted away. They just hit him in the back or whatever as he was you know face guarding. And then he turns around finally and makes an interception. And then around that, he gets called for pass interference and gives up some plays. And it was just a little bit of everything you see from him all in one game. So good performance in a lot of ways, but, but bad in some others. James Pierce flashing a little bit, second consecutive week. His sack was a thing of beauty. Tyler, Tyler Barron. Yeah, man, he, that's going to look good on highlights. Yeah, <laughs> knocking a left tackle on his butt and then just making the sack. Uh, Tyler Barron showed up again. So some things to feel good about. The one concern for me, actually, that linebacker was not a little more solidified around Aaron Beasley. I thought Elijah Herring was just okay from what I could tell. I need to kind of go back and, and look, but – you saw a lot of Jeremiah T. Lander and some other guys later in the game. T. Lander, I thought, looked pretty good. I mean, it, it, it very well might in, in, in the long run for sure, but he looks like a, a guy that may help this team a little bit this year. Um, so I, I think they're going to be okay there. I, I've said before, you know, with Arion Carter and everyone there, I'll be surprised if they don't figure out something uh, and, and be fine there at linebacker without Keenan Peely. But I thought the, the lack of experience showed up at times from those young guys, and, and that wasn't a, a perfect – performance from that group by any stretch so not, not a huge concern but if you're going into a game like this at Florida both on the road and the fact that Florida is like Tennessee maybe going to need to rely on the run next week that's a little bit concerning that those guys kind of got lost at, at times I felt like in the middle of that defense yeah that, that, that's certainly a big question mark uh, I, I thought the secondary took a step back today it was more of the mixed bag that we saw last season now I, I did think their better plays were better than the ones that they made last year, if that makes sense. But it was still more of that you don't really know what you're going to get on, on any given passing play. Uh, and, and it was more Kamal had, not, not to call him out. He, he made a great interception, uh, but there were Because the, he turned around? Yes, and I know that's a, a point of controversy. I mean, it, it is normal for defensive back coaches to teach their defensive backs to not turn around play the eyes of the receiver, watch their hands, and when the football is getting close or they're going to make the catch, when you're watching the hands, watching the eyes, 
stick your hand, arm in there, and rip it out. That's a common technique that is teached, and it obviously it can be very infuriating, but I believe Nick Saban even teaches it that way. And, and Nick Saban teaches defensive backs as well as anybody. That, that's his specialty. So uh, I, I know it is frustrating at times, uh, and I'm not saying it's the right way to teach it or the wrong way to teach it. I am the last person that should be talking about defensive backs, to be quite, quite honest. Uh, but I do know that that is a common technique that is teached. Uh, and Tennessee does teach that uh, along with think, many others. I think when a receiver is slowing down and has his hands in the air and is clearly going to look for the football that is going his way, at that point I think it's yes. okay to get a glance over because you, yes. you can see where the receiver is going. He's slowing down, his arms are in the air, he's going for the ball, go find it. Yes, I, I don't disagree with that whatsoever. Um, and again, remember, it is year three. They kind of took over a mess. Every, oh, yeah. every position is not – perfect yet and that is a position where they're still trying to rebuild and the future of that position are the three freshmen which unfortunately they didn't really get an opportunity to play reps today and Christian Conyers, Ricky Gibson and, and Jordan Matthews so uh, didn't really mean to go down the negative rabbit hole when when talking about the defense there but uh, I did think the secondary took a step back and I do agree with you with the, the linebackers it was more of what I thought it was going to be when we talked about it on Tuesdays like yes they have a ton of talent there, but I don't necessarily – I didn't disagree on Tuesday when everybody was somewhat shrugging off the Keenan Peely injury and just assuming that this young talent would be ready to go automatically. All those guys that played next to Aaron Beasley, including Elijah Herring, even though he's an older guy, they're still wet behind the ears and haven't played a ton of snaps. And I, I think there are going to be growing pains. And, and to your point, Ryan, next week's going to be a big test. Uh, for whatever reason, Billy Napier did not decide to use ETN and, and Montrell Johnson against Utah. Uh, surely they don't make that same mistake twice because those are two really good running backs and, and Florida has to lean on them. So these young backers are going to get tested next week. Now on the positive side of that, this defensive line just continues to be monsters in the in the trenches and, and they kind of set the tone and that will open some things up for the backers behind them obviously and Aaron Beasley's playing out of his mind uh, and I, I kind of want to see more Jeremiah T. Lander I know everybody's talking about Arion Carter and, and Elijah Herring and, and I still want to see those guys but give me some Jeremiah T. Lander that dude flies around the field like a missile and he he, he arrives to hurt you he arrives yes, on the he had one to today you. where he knocked a dude back several yards on on his hit so uh there's way more positives than negatives with this defense right now defensive front sets the tone i think they'll continue to grow uh as well but uh, one name that we i know i'm a little long-winded here but one name that hasn't been mentioned that needs to be mentioned is josh josephs those those two josh josephs and james pierce are kind of always paired together when you're talking about the young edge rushers but it was more James Pierce in that first game tonight it was Josh Josephs James Pierce did have the highlight sack where he jumped over the left tackle after he knocked him on his butt uh, but Joseph should have had two sacks tonight uh, Josh Heupel took one away when he, he accepted he, he, he a penalty appreciated you bringing that yeah. up by the way he was really pleased with you on that one ben. Uh, I'm sorry Coach Heibel for bringing that one up. I know you weren't happy with, with me on that one, but Joseph's looked awesome, and you can tell why they view him as highly as they do James Pierce. And if we're about to learn a lot about those two guys these next couple of weeks as you get Florida and South Carolina and even UTSA, a nice little offense. If those guys can provide what they've provided these first two weeks consistently, that changes the ceiling of this defense exponentially. Yeah, I do think that teams are going to go – they're going to throw some misdirection stuff at those young linebackers because 
their young linebackers, and if it, it's sort of malpractice for a coach to not throw some misdirection stuff and at, at young linebackers and put them in un, 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 like uncomfortable positions. That's something that's going to happen. Also, you're going to continue to see people throw at Haddon because they can see, you know what, you can either make a play there or if you underthrow the ball, you're getting 15 yards. I, I, I mean, that's there are a couple things in this defense that people are going to see and, and they're going to attack, but there's not nearly as many places to attack um, because that front line that Tennessee's got – I mean, Ryan, there was a time in that game where they rolled in a, a fresh defensive line unit, and it was like, you know, like Harrison, Pierce. Young guys. You know, you know it was like Harrison, Pierce, and, and, came in. and two other dudes. And it was like, this is still a defensive front that would have started for Tennessee for most of the past, like, six or seven years. And they were, like, the second group in. So they're, they've, they've really – you. You have to be good there to win in this league. They've done that. And even without Elijah Simmons, you know, that, that's an absence that they, they haven't felt all that much so far. Now, it's been two games where you probably shouldn't have felt that loss, but without him, they've, they've been pretty good up front still. So, yeah, I think, I think it's a team that, again, we'll learn more about this team on that side of the ball too because, I'm not, again, I'm not sure how good Virginia or Austin P is offensively. But How good is Florida? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's the other thing. I mean, that, how many great offenses are they going to see in the SEC? I just I don't know that there are a whole lot this year. It doesn't look like the league's off to a, a particularly great start so far across the board. So, um, so yeah, this is one of those years where, you know, th- this is, this is a, a flawed Tennessee team. Not many teams are feeling great about themselves two weeks in anywhere, probably, uh, but certainly not in this conference. And, you know, defensively, they're getting, they're, they're getting a lot of good performance out of, out of a lot of guys. Offensively, we're not we're not talking glowingly about a lot of guys, but they're still they're still putting up points. And you look across the board, and it's still a team that's good enough to win a lot of games this year. So, I know the reaction is probably from a lot of people. Boy, a lot of reason to be concerned coming out of this one, and maybe so. But I, I just I part of you almost wants to just throw out this game entirely because there there are some things that I think can be kind of projected to the to the next several games that we'll see. But this is a this is a game that might just be kind of a fluky performance and, and not, not a whole lot to be gained from it because we'll learn so much more about this team next week against SEC competition. Yeah, that's my last question before we get out of here is we have a whole week to discuss this, and, and we will. But if you're Josh Heupel, what is your mindset? What is your message to this team? Because I thought if this – what we got after the game when he was talking to us was a taste of what it might be, I think he's sort of – He's not anywhere near a panic button. He's not – he's like, hey, guys, I know what you are. You know, it's like that scene in, a, in, a, in Moneyball when Billy Bean walks in and he's like, and you guys may not think or look like a winning team, but you are one, so go play like it. You know, it's kind of like – he's like, guys, just chill. You're going to be fine. Now, got to be better than this or you're going to lose, but just, just be all right. And, and I wonder if that – where is that line – between, you know, panicking too much or, or at all versus being naive and being blasé about it. I, I think it's really interesting to me. Like, this is one of those man management weeks. Like, I want to see how Heupel talks to this team. We won't, need, we won't be privy to a lot of that, at least firsthand. We might hear behind the scenes. But I'm fascinated to see how he goes about it because there are clearly some things that need to be addressed but also maybe reasons to not feel like you have to, you know, 
you know, paint the walls when you're sitting there, you know, yelling at them. You don't need to give them the hair dryer treatment. You know what I mean? Like, you can maybe be chill about some of this. So I, I don't know what he's going to do with it, and I'm fascinated to see. Yeah, that, that's a, a great question to raise. I think he's just going to be himself. He's the same guy on a day-to-day basis. He's, yeah. he's not Butch Jones or Derek Dooley. You see them in a press conference, and then that press conference curtain closes, and they're a completely different person behind the scenes. Who you, who you see publicly is what you get privately with Josh Heupel, which is why he's built the culture that he has and, and why his players and, and even assistant coaches respond the way that they do. I mean, he navigated last season – he could not have navigated it better than he did last season, going from game day with Florida to LSU to Alabama and, and just kind of the, the crazy weeks that they had back-to-back-to-back-to-back, to back to back to back, it seemed, last year. He navigated it perfectly. And it's because he's up front and honest with the guys and, and wants them to recognize kind of the, each moment that they're dealing with beforehand. So uh, I, I think it's going to be the same old Josh Heupel. Uh, he has a lot of confidence. You can That's when the – the national championship winning quarterback comes out of him and his guys really feed off of that. So it's a really important week. I know most of this podcast is, has been negative. There's still a lot of positives about this team. I still expect Tennessee to go into the swamp next weekend and beat Florida. I think they're a better overall team. I think the matchup favors them well because of their ability to run the football, their defensive front, what they're doing right now, and, and Florida's offensive weaknesses, as I've, I've touched on. But you can't show up and have the same offensive clunker in the passing game. Then all of a sudden, those matchups that are in your favor, they're, as, they're not as favorable anymore. So this is a, a huge week for Tennessee to clean up many, many things because we'll talk about this as the week goes on as well. This Florida game is very, very important. I, I, I hate calling games must-wins, but for a program that is trying to elevate itself – it, it it almost feels like a must win. Yeah, you want to compete if it for isn't. a championship, you got to win it. Well, and just I think I know the divisions are going away after this year, but just kind of setting the tone in the East and like saying, hey, we passed Florida, we're ahead of Florida right now. I, I think this is a, a massive, massive game for Tennessee, even if they are the better team on paper. I almost think that there's more pressure on Tennessee going into this week than Florida. So they've got to get those things cleaned up this week because they are much better. They're, they're not making these mistakes on the field because they lack physical talent. It, it's I don't want to say that they're not locked in or anything or, or the effort's not there, but they have the ability to make the plays that they're not making which is why it's been so puzzling and confusing and they got to find a way to make those plays going into Florida seems to me like more of a rhythm and efficiency problem than an than like an effort or focus problem I don't see or get any I just don't I know I haven't been around as much this week for obvious reasons but I don't get that sense from people around this program that they're worried about those kinds of things I think there's just a rhythm that this offense and every other offense needs rhythm, 11 guys on the same page. And maybe maybe the past couple of years we've taken for granted how good Tennessee's receivers have been and the fact that they've made the plays that have been there to make and other plays on top of that. Maybe if they're more average, that's just – it's just you can't take it for granted anymore. I, I don't know. But I, I, I'm fascinated in a lot of ways by a lot of things going into this week. Yeah, I – I don't worry as much when I think about what they've got coming down the road, and Josh Heupel probably in the same boat with this to a degree, and this this would be why he's not that worried. He knows that this team, again, has talent. He knows that they're capable of much more than they've done so far. 
he saw them handle Clemson easily at the end of last season. And this was largely the same team in that game because you didn't have Jalen Hyatt and some of those guys that were that were Tillman, sitting out. Hooker, yeah, all those guys. Yeah. yeah. So 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 it was the it was a largely the same group at the end of last season, and and so you've seen them take care of a. You know, I don't, who knows how good that Clemson team was in hindsight, but regardless, a, a quality opponent. So the, they're they're I think going to be just fine. This is not a team that's destined for seven and five or six and six now because they've struggled with Austin Peay tonight. I don't think we're going to be looking back at this as a sign that this team just wasn't very good. I just think we're, we're going to look back at this and maybe see it as a sign of this team's potential inconsistency. And I think this team is maybe prone to inconsistency more more so than last year's team was. And, and, and it's a great point earlier that I think Ben brought up that this this offense has started slow the past couple of years. The, the pit game was ugly last year. I mean, who, who would have thought after the pit game that we'd be talking about that being a just record-setting very, offense? Very, very fortunate to win that game. Yeah, and, and, and look three weeks later how different that offense was. I mean, it, it changed around around midseason especially. They just took it to another level, and it, it was it was a good offense for most of the season but not right away. So – they're, I think, going to be fine for the most part. But the things I look at are, you know, personnel-wise, I, I, I do have some concerns about Joe Milton, and I have some concerns about the fact that Dante Thornton's not a factor in this offense right now, and, and that the, the other receivers are, are not elevating their play. So that, to me, that group's got to be much better. That might be the key to this team right now. You know, I'm, the offensive line will be maybe a bigger concern in future weeks. We'll see about that. But tonight we're not talking about them, and that's, that's a good thing. Uh, that, that Cooper Mays wasn't out there, and we're not talking about that group. We're not talking about the the defensive line being a, being an issue. You know, maybe that'll be an issue in future weeks, but right now it looks like they're good. So, they very few issues with this team, but one of the big ones to me, they got to get better receiver play. And Joe Milton does have to be better. There's no way around that. He's not been terrible. He's just not been good enough for this team to be very good. And so that's why I think Josh Heupel, to your point, will be will be pretty much steady, and, and I think that's just who he is anyway, but I don't think he'll change up much this week because he knows he just needs to, to show this team and remind them, like, hey, you're better than this. Just go do it. That's all, that, that's all he's got to remind them this week. And he's a confident guy, and he always has been. He carries himself not really in a cocky way, but, but he's an extremely confident guy. And uh, that'll be a big one, though. Big, big, big opportunity for Tennessee this week. Big opportunity for Florida as well, if, if we're being honest. So uh, lots of stuff that we'll have a, a lot of days to talk about. Uh, we certainly have got a lot of work cut out for us this week, and we're happy to do it. Uh, you got anything else, Ryan? You, well, you want to say something? I was going to say it, it, it doesn't matter, but do you think uh, when we talk again Monday, Tennessee will still be a top-10 team, or will, or will they get docked yes. for this? I don't think a lot of people were watching, if I'm being totally honest. So I don't think, I don't think a lot of people are going to – care very much I mean we'll see how far back Alabama falls Alabama still might be ahead of Tennessee just because that's just how it seems to always go but you know some other people didn't look great either so I don't I don't really know and I mean you know what we will see you got anything else Ben you're, you're holding the microphone like a man with something to say I am all good I'm excited to get down to the swamp and, and see how this game plays out prime time in the swamp doesn't get much better than that and We'll see what this Tennessee football team and how it responds. I think it will respond well. I think this is a much better team offensively than, than they have showed to this point. And, and I think they just got to iron out some kinks. I said it earlier, I think the receivers missing some camp is, is maybe factoring into their play more than, than maybe they over there in the facility want to admit. But I think they'll be just fine in, in the long run. And hopefully Hurricane Lee stays the hell away from yes. all of that. Go north, you bastard. Go north. Yes, stay stay away north. I guess there was one one last thought that I had. I blanked there because it's after midnight. But I agree that this offense maybe has less room for, for error, 
less margin for error, like Ryan said earlier. The good news is this defense is better, and they'll be able to help make up for maybe a, a tiny step back that the offense has taken. And I continue to think Jalen Wright, if he stays healthy, uh, is going to have some absolutely bananas games uh, for this offense. And I think he, every time he touches the ball, he looks like he's going to do some serious damage with it. So there's there's lots to be uh, excited about, lots to be apprehensive about. You know what? That's, that's life, man. That's life. Uh, we'll see what we're talking about exactly one week from now. Um, but before between now and then, we'll also have a lot more to say. So A lot, lot more fun to talk about a game like this at 2-0. and That's the bottom line. A win is a win. You just got to be better than the team you're playing on the day you're playing them. That's all you need to do. And Tennessee has done that again. Tennessee will be undefeated going to the Swamp, and we will be there. Uh, knock on wood, stay the hell away, Hurricane Lee, and we'll have plenty to discuss with all of that. So, uh, guys, I, I, think we'll, uh, I think we'll head out of here. Thanks, Wes. See you, Wes. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, nobody, and I mean nobody covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. 
there's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.